We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius, and it is our three-year anniversary of the LFR Podcast. Started doing this three years ago, not today, but uh, it, this is the most recent pod that's closest to it. So we're going to start out. <clears throat> All right, so I started Laker Film Room in April or May of 2016. And apparently around that time of year, uh, several years ago, I was getting bored with the Lakers getting knocked out early and missing basketball. So about a year before that, on May 1st, 2015, Darius put out a call for contributors from Form Blue and Gold. And I was like, you know what? I remember I was a little bit... I think drunk is probably overstating it, but I, you know, I'd had, I had had an adult beverage and I remember this vividly because I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for this. I'm going to, I'm going to email this dude. I love his work. I loved what uh, Kurt was doing. So I, you know, Hey, why not? I miss it. Let's try it. So I'm going to read you excerpts from the email that I wrote to Darius on May 1st, 2015. Hi, Darius. I'm writing to express my interest in contributing to Form Blue and Gold. As a longtime fan of yours and Kurt's, I hold the quality of the content that you have historically produced in high esteem. I'm currently a moderator at LakersGround.net and a former Varsity Boys head uh, coach here in L.A., uh, during my tenure, I, I list off my meager accomplishments at this point. I'll skip all of this, right? Uh, and saying why I left and whatnot. Darius is already laughing. All right, so, and then, <clears throat> all right, let's continue. This is very serious stuff. 
Regarding what I can contribute to the site, I believe that I am best suited for either explaining X's and O's in, in an easily digestible way or providing analytics. During the first part of the 2013-14 season, I did some points per possession analysis of the Lakers offense by set and play type. Rather than go into painstaking detail here, I'll provide you a link so you can learn more if you're interested. I stopped doing these because they were quite time consuming, but a position as a contributor at Form Blue and Gold would certainly be an impetus to return to them. I also think that a general primer on the basketball on, on basketball fundamentals might be neat with explanations on things like pivoting, jab steps, rip throughs, V cuts, etc. and showing examples of how various Lakers use these tools in the context of a game. Lastly, there's a thread on LG that's dedicated to your search to help you spread the word. Best of luck, Darius. So what I want to know is, why didn't you answer my damn email? Are you sure that that went to me? I'm sure <laughs> it's Darius at formblueandgold.com. I'm still upset about this four and a half years later. So on the anniversary of our podcast, you're going to tell me that you're upset about something from four and a half years it's, ago instead of crediting me with lighting the fire in your belly to become <laughs> king of the Lakers internet. See, Oh, is that what I am? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right? So you should be thanking me. You should be thanking me for not having to, you know, slum it at Forum Blue right. and Gold while you, know, you are now at the top, right? So look, all those accomplishments, the boys' varsity points per <laughs> possession, play breakdown, <laughs> um, pivot, inside reverse, rip move, all of that now is on Spectrum Sports Net and on The Athletic, right? So I just wanted to be on Form Blue so, and Gold, so damn it. So I wasn't not, planning on any of this other stuff. So, I just wanted that. So you're not slumming it. Right. So you never had to slum it at foreign blue and gold. You never had to respond to people about why it's forum blue. Isn't it purple? <laughs> right. You never had dummies in your mentions about that specific thing. You have dummies in your mentions now, but you're very nice to them. Right. Because you I are try to be because you're a nice and kind person. I am the person who does not <laughs> respond to emails from future stars. See, this is why I couldn't be GM of, <laughs> of Lakers Twitter, right? Because I did not spot the up-and-comer. You know what I love about this is that you put out the freaking call for contributors. Sure. This was not an unsolicited email, That's right. right? Like, hey, I'd love to help you, right? It was like, uh, hey, I'm looking for people. And yeah, you never responded. No, the, see, the trick is, is I put out the call to contributors to see who I'm supposed to block on Twitter. What? <laughs> that, that's why I ask. Fair enough. Yes. All right. Well, and, uh, and in, in I'm a masochist of sorts. <laughs> so I remember, I remember asking you, I was so nervous to DM you, especially considering, you know, you hadn't replied to my email, uh, to do the pod. I, I think I had probably 3000 followers or something on Twitter. How many you got point. now? You had 70 ish, uh, <laughs> but, and you had like 30,000 and you were Darius freaking Soriano, oh, right? And so, uh, but you had followed me at some point and I was just like, ah, right. And Darius followed me. 
but I, I wanted to do a podcast with you. And I was like, there's certainly no way I'm the first person that had asked to do a podcast with you. But I was like, why not? You know, I, I've always really dug this guy. And much to my surprise, you were like, hey, let's talk more about it. Because you're never the type of guy that's going to be like, oh, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. Right. You want to consider you want right. to, you know, do, but so we talked for a bit and you were down to do it. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe. And then I was like, can we do like the Laker film room? podcast can we call it that you're like sure i don't care anyway i was like sweet we could call it my name you know you're like 10 times bigger than than i am right and that, so that that worked out well for me too uh and so in that vein we have a very special guest yes. tonight um he was the original producer of the lfr podcast both the intro that we still use and right. the old outro put those together with the chick hern clips over the music and whatnot um and he is now back with lfr working with me full time now it's my brother tom tom welcome to the show man welcome back to the show yeah man it's been a long time it's it's good to be back uh, a lot of memories coming through that pete decided to completely not remember uh first he had to remember the slights, the emails, the... <laughs> well, you, you have to, like, this is my supervillain origin story, right? right? Like, yes, it's always that's right. being slided no, in no, some way, right? Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom, what do you remember from the, the first episode that we recorded? The first episode, oh, not much, uh, probably, because I'm just trying to focus on making sure everything got recorded. Uh, more on that mm -hmm. later. Um, I just remember like slipping you post-it notes when you're trying to drop salary figures. And I'm like, actually, uh, slides post-it note mm -hmm. producer guy role. Um, but I do remember some other pods that maybe didn't get uh, heard. If you guys remember this. Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. Wait, uh, tell them. Tell them what, uh, what happened yeah, yeah. So twice. Basically... When Mitch Kupchak and Jim Bus get fired, he's cranking up right now. Uh -huh. We rush to record, right? We're raring to go. So we'll do a marathon podcast, two hours on an unspecified application over the internet that did not record <laughs> the data. And so we disheartenedly decided to gather the troops and do it again, only for it to happen again. So somewhere in the ether of the internet, there's four hours of Pete and Darius talking about Jim Buss and Mitch Kupchak getting fired that no one will ever mm -hmm. hear. But we were all there, guys. It was all of us in it together. We were in that um, in that first episode. So first off, the you know I had like notes, like pages of notes, like an outline, like you would take for a history class. <laughs> That's right. Like That's right. Capital A with a one indented a little farther, and then like a lowercase a. Like you would take you know yeah. like legit outline notes. It was uh, it was about Brandon Ingram, and just it was very stiff. I remember I was talking to uh, Harrison and Anthony, and I had just met them at that time. We weren't like friends yet, but it was at like this mutual function, and I told them that you and I were going to start potting. And apparently they were like, oh crap, like they're, those two are going to start potting together. Like they're going to be a, a threat. And then after they listened to how stiff the first episode was, both Harrison told me, he was like, oh, we'll be fine. Like he told Anthony, like, oh, we got nothing to worry about. So, <laughs> so not only was it super stiff, I would record at Tom's place and I was like over on his bed and we had a mic set up and he was by the computer, which is probably like six or seven feet away. Right. There was something in the plug, like when we plugged in, we hadn't plugged in all the way. So when we played back my track, 
I sound way far away and it's from the internal mic on the computer, which sounds like crap, right? Yeah. And so it's the first episode of this like new podcast that we do. And so what, what we did, I showed up at Tom's place the next morning and we dubbed over my track and like podcasts are conversations, right? And so it's like me going solo, like responding to this. And then if Darius is talking, I got to be like, <laughs> in the right place, right? To like laugh the way that I did the first time to what he said. It was just a friggin' mess, man. Yeah, I blocked all that out. Like I said, I don't remember it because it never happened. And you telling this story is just, <laughs> it's just a great story, really. That would be funny if you actually did that, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what are your uh what are your fond memories from our early podcast days Darius? Honestly, it's all a blur and it's funny because I honestly can't believe 3 years later like we're still here recording the pod, right? Mm-hmm. Like and the pod's grown and obviously like I was joking about it earlier but but you you know your sort of rise in terms of um a content provider, like on the internet and with the Lakers and now league-wide stuff for The Athletic, that's all like super impressive, right? And this idea that three years ago, we sort of started this with this idea that we were just going to sort of have these conversations about the Lakers and maybe people would listen and maybe people wouldn't. And we were just going to do our best, right? Like I remember when you had first asked me about doing the pod, I remember one one of the first things that sort of happened organically was we just started to have just random phone conversations, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if if you remember this, but probably like the first month or so in, you and I had ended up having the, this phone conversation and we sort of wondered why those phone conversations couldn't be the podcast, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because the podcast, as hard as we were trying and, and with everyone really putting their best foot forward, like every step of the way you, me and Tommy, right back mm-hmm. there doing hours of editing and, and trying to refine it and make it sound as, as good as it c- could and as natural as, as it could be. And, and honestly, for it to be this many years later and to have Tom and me back here tonight and us sort of reminisce and joke about it, that's all like, it's all great, but a lot of the same lines, I think it's also a testament to, to sort of like where we're at now. And we're not the biggest podcast out there and we're not the most successful and we don't have, you know, all of the five star reviews, which, you know, go out and subscribe, <laughs> rate, review, <laughs> right? But along the same lines, like I'm enjoying it as much today, if not more than what we were three years ago when we first got started. And I don't think any of it happens, right, without the three of us right here just sort of deciding, you know what, like, let's make it happen. Yeah, that's a great point, Darius. I, it was, it was, I look back fondly, although I legitimately don't remember that story from Pete because I probably blocked it out after being horrified on a just sheer production level. That stuff is like... I can't. Tom, we wrote down we wrote down the script yeah, for man. it. Like like we had to like go back and it was just like when we realized it was one of those things where we just like slumped where yeah. we were cuz we knew that like we had to go back and do this, right? Yeah. And like it was just the worst thing. Yeah, we wrote out the script for it and I just remember like standing in front of the mic like right. Ha, 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 like to this thing that's like I've already heard and reacted right. to. Yeah, it was well, the worst. And to our credit, 
Like no one actually figured it out. At least I don't think they did. So we hit it well enough to to get away with it for three years, and that's uh, that's pretty damn good too, if you ask me. That, that's also that that's one of the benefits of having that happen in your first show, right. where you're like, I'm sure listeners were just like, I guess they just sound like that. Right. <laughs> Either way, this was a. This is a fun trip down memory lane. Uh, Tom, you'll be back on the show uh, in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure. Thank you for joining us, my man, for uh, to recap and reminisce. Absolutely. Go Lakers. That's right. All right, so let's move on. We're going to get into the, the end of this Lakers road trip. Uh, they've got Indiana coming up, and then the big game on Thursday where that everybody's looking forward to is at Milwaukee. Milwaukee, the night that we're recording this, just lost to a Luka Doncic-less Dallas Mavericks team. And it wasn't really that close. We were watching that, Tom and I, and and Jeannie were all watching that. And um, that was, you know, a classic trap game for the Bucks. And I think this Lakers game against Indiana is a classic trap game as well. I will be very impressed if they are able to pull this one out. Um, And then that Bucks game, I, I'd love to preview that too. So I, I guess let's talk about Indiana first. What you you followed the NBA for long enough? Like even the coach, the players, everybody knows this is trap game, trap game. Uh, like that, it very much fits into that. How can they kind of get past that? And like, or or are these just games that teams lose, even if it's a you know future champion type of team? Yeah. So I see it. A variety of different ways, right? Like one, I think Atlanta. So if you're looking for reasons for the Lakers to sort of show up and play well against the Pacers, I think the Hawks game could serve as sort of that trap game where their foot was in the trap and then they pulled it out just in time, Mm -hmm. right? If the folks who are listening to this actually got a chance to watch the Bucks Mavericks game, you'd probably see a lot of similar themes between how the Bucks played against the Mavericks that the as the Lakers played against the Hawks, right? A lot of role players just missing shots. Star player shows up. Giannis had a great night against the Mavericks. I think, you know, 40 plus point night for like double digit rebounds, um, handful of assists. He played his normal MVP level, very similar to the level that LeBron played to. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just that the Lakers were playing a a lesser team in terms of the Hawks. And they also had Anthony Davis. Right. Um, And so they pulled out that win. If you look forward to the Pacers game, Maybe that Hawks game serves as a bit of like a wake up call. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, oh, well, you know, we almost gave one away. Vogel seemed pretty irritated after the Hawks game, probably as irritated as you've seen him after any game this season. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I think 20 something turnovers. 22, man. Yeah. And five for 31 from behind the arc on probably half of those were probably like really good, wide open looks. And Danny Green's just, killing me right now, man. <laughs> and they just missed them. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe, right, the Hawks game was that trap game, and they sort of show up against the Pacers, and then whatever happens with the Bucks game, it won't be like a letdown game. It'll just be another one of those games that happens. Is that mm-hmm. too optimistic? No, I think that's probably on the right track. Um, the games that the Lakers have either lost or 
have struggled in like that that Miami game was a great game man that was such a yeah. good game the, the Lakers just won but it reminded me of the losses against the Clippers and Raptors in that teams that have the athleticism and just a certain intensity level to hang with the Lakers have been the teams that have given us the most problems, right? So Toronto's got all of these really rangy athletes. You've got, uh, you know, Kawhi is, you know, not the fastest guy, but he's a big wing that really exploits the one weakness that the Lakers have on on their wing defense. Um, but they're just teams that go, you know, like they they're, they Miami is another squad that just like they're always going to play at that eight, nine out of 10 intensity level. And they've got the athletes to be able to do it. That's a big thing for me with this Lakers team, as people have heard on the pod, is that like, I just think they're so athletically superior to so many teams that they overwhelm them. I don't know if... Indiana is the type of team that really fits that description, uh, yeah. especially on the interior. Like, I love Sabonis' game, but he's not the type of big that has given us issues yet. So I- I'm hoping they lock in, but but if they lose on Tuesday to the Pacers, I would not be surprised at all. What we're all looking forward to is that game against the Bucks, though, because that they are clearly in that top tier with the Lakers and probably the Clippers of the very best teams in the league. It's not, you know, exaggeration or or embellishment to say that that could be a finals preview between those two teams. So first off, how much do games like this matter going forward? And how what are you looking for going into this one? I think they matter just in terms of there's only a handful of measuring stick games in the league when you're as good a team as the Lakers are. Mm-hmm. I think the Clippers are up there. The Bucks are up there. Um, even though they're not necessarily there record-wise, I think the 76ers are up there. Hmm, um, interesting. In a weird way, I actually think the Rockets are up there too, although they're like a level below the Lakers, but I think that they offer an interesting like star power matchup that mm-hmm. lends itself to it being sort of one of those games like, can we hang against this specific type of team that plays this specific type of style with mm-hmm. like star quality guys? And they've got a lot of experience too, right? Like if we face them yes. in the playoffs, like they've you know played the Warriors over and over again. That's exactly right. So when you look at a team like the Bucks. Like, I think it matters from that perspective. Do I think that the Lakers are somehow like phonies or fugazi if like they lose that game? No, mm-hmm. I don't. The regular season is a different sort of animal than the playoffs. The Bucks are injured a little bit. They just lost Eric Bledsoe mm-hmm. to um, a little uh, avulsion fracture in in his leg, I think, like yeah. near his knee. Mm-hmm. Something like that, yeah. You know, Kyle Kuzma's banged up. Like, this isn't necessarily these these teams going at it full strength. Like, all systems mm-hmm. go. That said, like, the matchups are super intriguing to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts because I think the headline will be LeBron versus Giannis. Mm-hmm. But I actually think it's AD versus Giannis, right? And so... So talk to me some yeah. about AD versus Giannis because I've had that circled for a while. So man, you're we're right on the same page with that in that um I'm working on this piece for The Athletic and it's about Giannis versus the Lakers defense. And the first thing that comes to mind is like, hey, we throw AD on Giannis, what does that look like? So yeah. I went back through the last two seasons of them playing against each other, right? When AD was in New Orleans. And here are the the final stats that I got from those matchups. 
All right, so Giannis scored 19 points on 8 for 21 shooting, 4 for 6 from the free throw line, 4 assists and 4 turnovers over the over the course of 4 games. Uh, there were some times where AD was at the 5 and somebody else was guarding Giannis, but that w- AD was his primary matchup. And he did a wonderful job against him. AD likes to sag off of Giannis as much of the league does. The difference is that if you don't have the right personnel against Giannis, he's just going to eat up that space. He's going to dribble into that and still go over the top of you. With AD, he can't do that, right? Like there was one possession where he kind of got his shoulder into AD and rocked him off of his feet and made a basket, but everything else was either blocked or really altered by AD around the rim. Giannis is not the most skilled guy in the NBA. He's not unskilled, certainly, but it's the combination of this otherworldly athletic ability with enough skill to where that overwhelms you. He does not have the athletic advantage over AD that he has over most players. He's still more athletic and more physically gifted than AD is, but it's just not by that much to where he does not have the skill set to really overcome that. So really, like the Lakers have been playing very aggressive on the perimeter against most teams. My question for you is, should they continue to do that to stay in what they do over the course of an 82-game season, or is that pack the paint, let Giannis hit jumpers, is that worth pursuing, even though that's not really how the Lakers defend? I think the Lakers are are going to adjust their scheme some based off of who they're playing, right? And so I think that there are certain matchups where the Lakers will still press up some. I think if... um, George Hill is coming around the corner off of a screen and roll, like pick and pop situation with Brooke Lopez. I think they will press up on him. I think they'll do the same to guys like Connaughton and uh, White Dante. <laughs> uh huh. DiVincenzo, right, right. Yes. Let, let me let me jump in real quick on that. Sure. One thing that they do that's really interesting with Giannis is they set a lot of ball screens with guards, and so yeah. that puts those little moments where there's a guard having to contain freaking Giannis and then Giannis just gobbles them up and gets to the rim. So that's something I'm really interested to see how the Lakers guards and just how the Lakers match up against that. I I like to see them like what I call switch and sag, which basically means like, go ahead and hit that pull up three. I I, I had Giannis at, I think four for 16 on threes. I watched all of his threes this year where he pulls up after they go underneath the screen. And so he's, you know, more comfortable. He's taking more threes. He's in the low thirties on it, but that particular type of three, he's not all that great at. So like that, that is how I'd like to see it. But anyway, those guard screens are going to be a big part of, of the game. Well, I'll be very interested. So we talk about the Lakers having issues with power wings, right? And a lot of that is from an offense standpoint, because the Lakers defensively don't have power wings to match up with those guys. The two probably most primary defenders that are going to be on Giannis are Anthony Davis and maybe some LeBron James Mm -hmm. minutes as well, right? When you talk about guards setting screens on guys, the types of players who you would typically put on Giannis, unless you're like the Philadelphia 76ers, where you might throw Embiid at him or Al Horford at him or Ben Simmons at him, are actually most likely going to be wing guys Mm -hmm. because, A, he handles the ball so much out on the perimeter and you want your big guy protecting the paint. And unless you have multiple bigs with one up front 
who can capably stay in front of Giannis off of the dribble and one behind who can still protect the rim, you're likely going to throw a wing at Giannis, mm -hmm. right? Screening wings is easy, mm -hmm. right? People do it all of the time. Like the same thing happens to LeBron, right? The Lakers run ball screens with guards all of the time for LeBron. Caruso sets them. Rajon Rondo sets them. Danny Green's been setting them KCP. More, more and more often. Mm -hmm. KCP. And it's usually because they're guarding him with a small forward. And you can go and screen a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, guy who is on LeBron James. Go ahead and go set a ball screen on Anthony Davis, Right. Or on LeBron James. And those guys are going to muscle you some. They will still go under on screens. They will still be able to contest that three right over the top of a small guard. George Hill comes to set a screen on LeBron James. Okay. George Hill comes to set a screen on Anthony Davis. Okay. Same with Kyle Korver or DiVincenzo or any of their other guards. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so... While I certainly agree with you about the guard screen game for Giannis being an, an important factor, I'll be very interested to see how much that actually bothers the Lakers mm -hmm. with the type of size that they'll likely have on Giannis at the point of attack, right? What I'm also interested in with, with Giannis is, is not only with AD at the point of attack, but how many minutes do the Bucks go with Giannis at center? Mm -hmm. And how does that matter in terms of the Lakers keeping a second big on the floor, right? Right. Um, because hmm. I think the Lakers' best defensive strategy is still going to be probably live and die with Brooke Lopez being able to shoot some some pick and pops. They might hedge some and, and show with a second guard. But in the end, I think the Lakers want Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee hanging back around the free throw line, ready to help on drives, even when Anthony Davis is at the point of attack, right? Mm -hmm. And the chess game of when the Bucks go small, um, Giannis played a fair amount of center against the Mavs, and it made the Mavs sort of decide, are they going to play Porzingis at center? Are they going to keep a second big in the game with Powell or or Kleba, um, and, and that sort of chess match between Bud and Vogel is is what I'm interested in as well with this one. Yeah, very much so. And to that end, the I'm curious to see the guard rotation. We've seen a reduction in Caruso's minutes. Rondo's getting a lot of minutes. Uh, uh, Avery Bradley's back in the fold. Their their minutes restrictions at this point are right at the northern end of the minutes they get when they're fully healthy. So for all intents yeah. and purposes, they do not have a minutes restriction now. I think that the Lakers' ability to take care of the basketball is going to really determine this game. I really like how the Lakers match up with, with Milwaukee in terms of the Lakers' defense. It's if they let Milwaukee get out in transition and specifically Giannis, and that happens off of those live ball turnovers most effectively, like there is they're better than anybody else in the NBA in converting mm -hmm. those into points. So this 22 turnover BS that they were doing against Atlanta on Sunday, uh, Rondo's drives from the top of the key a lot of times. And this isn't exclusive to Rondo. LeBron does this, too, except LeBron's a lot more effective at it. But when you get toward the end of the shot clock, Rondo will kind of has these last second drives from the top of the key that are more often than not unsuccessful. And that has a great impact on your transition defense. When you drive from the top of the key, think of that in 
from the perspective of transitioning from offense to defense, well, now the guy who is farthest back on the court is no longer there. He's under the basket. So there, you'll see this. Teams will run off of those missed layups, those drives from the top. This is something Phil Jackson did not love, right? Is that uh, when, when yeah. because he wanted that floor balance. So basically the ability to take care of the ball and not – like if you're going to drive from the top of the key, convert on those, right? If not, Miami's going to or Milwaukee that is is going to get out and run in a way that that really hurts this team. Uh any other parting thoughts on on this matchup? Yeah, so I want to ask you about this. Um the Bucks typically do not switch a lot. Mm-hmm. Um they like to play drop coverage, you know, they like to keep Brook Brook Lopez sagging back. Um, a lot of teams like to run five screen and rolls with their center setting screens, right? To involve Brooke, well, Brooke Lopez. How much do you think the Lakers are going to run five, three pick and rolls with like LeBron as the ball handler and with JaVale or Dwight setting screens versus setting them with AD with Giannis being the guy who is then having to hedge and recover, or do you think that Milwaukee will switch those more? Um, How do you think that that plays? Because typically LeBron against drop coverage is almost death, right? Because he is too good at still pressuring the front of the rim. And even if your big is waiting there for him, he reads where the rest of the help collapses from in order to pass to shooters. And so LeBron, even though he's not as explosive on those sort of like half trotting dribbles in, right? He likes to put his man in jail a little bit more and sort of draw help and then kick out. How do you see the Lakers pick and roll game being against a team who typically does not like to switch, but does have a lot of size at the basket to sort of contest against LeBron. Really curious to see how Budenholzer approaches that. One of the criticisms of him is his reticence to adjust, right? In playoff series, you know, he'll they went up 2-0. Uh, you know, Toronto made a couple of adjustments and Budenholzer is very much an ideologue from a like, no, this is what we do. We're going to continue to do it. We're going to do it as well as we can. And that's how we're going to win this series. And he's actually had some struggles in the playoffs as a result of being a little too rigid like that. We're talking about a a 3-4 pick and roll or a 3-5 pick and roll, depending on what spot AD is at. But most likely, you're going to have Chris Middleton defending LeBron and Giannis defending AD. I think you'd be crazy not to switch that because what you said about the drop coverages and not only that, like AD, AD and pick and pops will be will be important. Um, you know, Giannis mm-hmm. can obviously cover a tremendous amount of ground. And I do think that putting him uh, in defensive situations, even if it's just for the value of weakening his legs on offense, I, I do think all of this matters, especially like Giannis is going to have to hit jumpers in this game in order for them to win it. Um, and so all of that plays into that. Let's weaken his legs. His jump shot's not going to be great. We're going to be okay. Um, but if they switch it, I think we're looking at a situation similar to opening night where the Lakers struggled on offense because LeBron couldn't shoot. 
His jumper has been way better lately, and I think if he's the Lakers win that game against the Clippers, if LeBron can hit a perimeter shot, he just couldn't hit anything, and AD was struggling in that game too. But I do think that because of that size around the rim and just good size in the front court, Middleton, Giannis, Lopez, uh, they got Robin Lopez as well. Yeah, the other Lopez brother, right? Yeah, Ilyasova, like mm-hmm. he's he's not like a hefty guy, but he's you know rangy, six nine, six ten forward. And yeah. he's going to take charges and like yeah. they're, they're good. Like I think they're number two in offense, but they're actually number one on defense, at least yeah, before this game Yeah, they've got a net rating of like plus 11. They're, they're destroying. T- and that's part of Giannis is similar to AD in that like AD really gobbles up bad teams because like at some point there's a breaking point where that guy's athleticism is just way better than anything you yeah. got, right? Uh the Lakers, they kind of cancel each other out in that respect in that like AD is not going to be way more athletic than Giannis and vice versa. That's a good thing for the Lakers in that like if AD versus Giannis can be a push for all intents and purposes, it's I'll take LeBron against everybody else and in all yeah. of the impact of that. So do you think one last thing, do you think that AD's ankle injury will be a big part of this? I was that's the last thing I was going to ask you, so you beat beat me to it. We'll see how he looks in Indy. This is where this game being essentially three nights away from the night that we're recording this actually like matters most, right? Um, I'll be interested to see if he plays in in Indiana. The culture of this team has been that he probably will mm-hmm. play. Um, you know, tr- like it's not like it's a back to back. He's surely been getting treatment for the last, you you know, 24 and going into like 36 hours, he'll probably have gotten a ton of treatment on that ankle during that time frame. Um, but let's say that he plays and he comes out of that roughly unscathed. If that's the case, I think that he'll be f- that he'll be fine. Um I think where he'll need most of his assistance is in transition versus Giannis rather than Mm -hmm. in the half court. And that's going to be true against Giannis regardless. Like if there's one last point to make about a Lakers-Bucks preview, it's that the Lakers transition defense can be very good, but it could also be very spotty depending on some of the things that you brought up earlier, right? About like where are guys driving from on the court? How often are guys sort of chasing offensive rebounds when they shouldn't be? Um, Are you arguing with the refs for a call? Uh, Sure. Right? So stuff like that. If the Lakers aren't, um, and I'll bleep it so Jeannie doesn't have to, Stan Van Gundy building a, effing wall Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um and getting back in transition against Giannis then that's where things can get out of hand with them um because he won't just create baskets for himself at the rim he will then start to drive and kick shooters and if those guys start to get hot it can be problematic they can hit 15 to 23s in in a game. That's what Bud wants to do. He wants layups and he wants threes. And that can be a weakness of the Lakers when we're at our worst defensively is when we're giving up a lot of threes. Um, I don't think AD's ankle is going to be that big of an issue in that game because really his job is to sag off of Giannis and then contest mildly. But it's not as much of a moving left to right 
type of thing. You're absolutely right in transition that that's, you know, that's going to be something super important. But my observation is that when they're bad at transition defense, it's when they don't respect the opponent that they're going up against. And they'll, yeah. so I, I don't think that'll be an issue. I, I actually really like how the Lakers match up with the Bucks. Maybe I look like an idiot in a couple of days uh, and, you know, if, if the Bucks win that. But I think that, you know, I'm way more concerned about how we match up with the Clippers than we do with the Bucks. So I'm actually expecting a win in Milwaukee on Thursday. So so we will we will see. Um, and but until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic. Got it. Magic fires. It's in. They will. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe, hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it. me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietrus jogging back, didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Unbelievable. Bryant, yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.